Hello and welcome to another EM Over Easy podcast. Andy Little here from ACOEP in sunny or not so sunny San Diego, uh, here for ACOEP 18 with three great guests and friends of the podcast. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Andy. Christina Powell, Director of Student Affairs at RSO. Hi, uh, Dan Mogdosh, just an ER doc in the trenches out of uh, Palis Hospital in Chicagoland. Um, also, um, developer of a website created for emergency medicine physicians. It's called chartoptima.com, and it's basically designed to teach ER doctors how to document better so we can reimburse better. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm Dimitri Nicola. I'm a third-year resident from Erie, Pennsylvania, and I'm president of the Resident Student Organization of the ACOAP. Nice. Well, I appreciate you guys all being willing to be guinea pigs for this. Uh, no, nobody, you guys, there's no script. You guys have no idea what I'm about to ask you. Everybody confirmed to that. Mm-hmm. So yep. we, we're starting a series that, launch late, that launches this actually next month and then goes throughout the summer through the fall, and it's called Why Emergency Medicine? And we kind of came up with this idea because the three, three hosts, myself, Drew, and Tanner, we all love what we do, but we find it really cool if we can sit down with people who actually do it or are aspiring to do it like Christina is and actually talk to you about why do you want to do it. So the first question is, is if, if somebody was to come up and ask you why emergency medicine, what would kind of be your answer? So we, don't, we can kind of spitball. I think uh, for me, it uh, came down to my first experience on an ambulance. It was kind of a funny experience. Um, I was observing on my local ambulance corps, uh, and it was a, a young teenager who was just kind of uh, intoxicated in the snow, but he was actually ended up being very sick. He was hypothermic, and um, so we kind of resuscitated him in the ambulance and um, brought him to the, to the hospital. And just from that moment on, stepping on the ambulance, I knew immediately that emergency medicine was my home. And um, I think that uh, what drove me to medical school and further was just my curiosity. So I knew emergency medicine is where I wanted to be, and I knew that uh, being an emergency physician um, would kind of satisfy my curiosity. For me, um, so this is second career for me. I had a web development company prior to going to medicine, and uh, I was uh, pregnant with one of my best friends at the same time, and uh, she had a placental abruption at, uh, in her third trimester, and I was, I had just given birth to my kid. It was about like three days postpartum, and uh, I followed her there and cleaned up, you know, the blood in her bed and all this kind of stuff, and went to the emergency with her and the emergency room with her, and the, you know, I, I don't want to say like the drama, the situation, but the chaos, the, you know, the lack of knowledge. I felt very powerless. I felt like, you know, I wish there was something I could do, you know, uh, the doctors coming back and forth and, you know, doing all that stuff, rushing her here and there. And, uh, you know, it really called to me. And I was just, I really did well in, in science and in school. And, you know, I had all those prereqs just because it was an interest, but not something I planned for my career. Yeah. And uh, You were interested in physics and OCHEM? Yeah, I'm weird. <laughs> I'm very weird. Wait, wait, um, you call it OCHEM? Yeah. Organ- it's it's Orgo. I'm, I'm oh, Orgo. 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 Okay. Well, everybody's got their variation of it. I'm dying. Yeah. Get it, dying? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, the chaos of the situation, the adrenaline rush, you know, I was just like, wow, this is, this is a much better use of my life, really, because, you know, up to that point, I'd been selling dog clothes on e-commerce websites, and it was just not very fulfilling, um, if you can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm imagining it. It doesn't sound very fulfilling no. at all. And uh, so I was like, wow, this is a much better use of my brain, a much better use of my life. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I never want to be in that situation again where, you know, I'm completely powerless and I can't even, I can't even do anything. Yeah. So uh, that was my story. And, and so I wanted to do emergency medicine ever since. Um, and, you know, exposures in third year to the other specialties or whatever. Don't you dare stick me in an office. You know, I'll be asleep in the couch at the psych. You know? <laughs> I was like, this is, this is the place for me I need. So I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, spot on, guys. So... 
Um, you know, as, as being an emergency room physician, I've been out for um, just over 14 years now. And uh, I found what really keeps me going is it's, it's really just a drive. It's a mission to serve others. I mean, what an incredible opportunity. I mean, yeah, I, I like getting paid as a doctor. You know, I like challenging cases. I like taking apart puzzles and putting them back together again. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's helping people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in emergency medicine, we have that opportunity to connect with people in ways that I never thought were possible. You know, in the first 20 seconds, I can go into a room, make eye contact, shake everybody's hand in the room, and have a connection. And, and that's it. And, and they know I care. And, and they know I'm on board. And it's just awesome to see that, you know. And we're blessed by many bounce backs, so we get repeat uh, customers where we can develop those relationships over time. Yeah. Or not even just bounce so. backs. Just, <laughs> hey, I, and I, I think you bring that up, and I think it's interesting because a lot of people talk about how you know you don't really get a patient population. But unfortunately, some of the people that we deal with, we are their safety net. And because we're truly helping them, they come back because we were helpful. Yeah, so right you on. do actually do get, I mean, I've, I've got probably two dozen that I call private private patients that oh, Dolores is here. Right. So I go in and say, nobody else sees Dolores. I just pick up her chart, go see her. You know, what are you here for, Dolores? It's always something really simple. It's, hey, they gave me this medicine. I don't know how to do with it. So I explain her medicine and we get her out quick. But yep. uh, you do get some of those repeat patients for sure. The crazy part about that is we're, we're a safety net, not only for the patients that we serve, yeah. but for other doctors. Yeah. And they're not always from our hospitals. No, <laughs> that's true. So, but we, we are the safety net. Yeah. And it's awesome to see a patient that was just discharged from uh, a tertiary care center, um, neurosurgical complicated patient, and realized that we can step in and actually save the day on something mm -hmm. basic that they missed. Um, and it's just, it's empowering. It's really an incredible experience. So the, the second question is, so you guys did great with the first one, by the way. You guys did a good job. Nobody was prepped. Um, the second question is, actually came from a conversation. I recently moved, and uh, you know that you meet your neighbors in the first couple of weeks, and luckily there was a neighborhood party. So I go to this neighborhood party, and uh, somebody says, so what do you do for a living? And I say, oh, I'm an emergency physician. And then there was kind of this blank stare, and then we had a conversation. But when people that you don't know come up and ask you what you do, how do they react, what do you tell them, um, what, what, what kind of happens with that? You mean they're not asking you if I'm a nurse? <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. You get that a lot. That's nurse. okay. I usually walk into a patient room and they ask me what high school I go to. <laughs> and then they ask me if they want, if I want to be a doctor when I grow up. <laughs> For those of you that can't see, because we're not video, Dimitri does look like he's about a 12-year-old. <laughs> so he's got the hair and everything else. But what, what, what do you guys say? And what, what, what is that experience like other than nurse and a, and a, and a doctor? Well, I, I guess I start off saying I'm an emergency medicine resident. Okay. Um, and then they usually say, what's that? Mm -hmm. And I say, well, a resident is a new doctor who's getting specialty training. And soon we'll be an attending doctor, which is kind of what you think of as a doctor who is practicing unrestricted medicine. And so that's kind of my little elevator speech. And then they usually ask me if it's anything like the resident, the TV show. And I say, no, it's not. <laughs> and no. <laughs> yeah. 
For me, it depends on who's asking, right? So if it's another physician that's asking me, like, what I want to go into, right? And I say emergency medicine. Half the time, if they're not an emergency medicine physician, right, they'll say, why emergency medicine? You know, blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, you know, you don't have patient follow-up. You don't have all this stuff. And I, and I argue, you know, yeah, but we saw Jimmy, like, five times in a row. So yeah. I know and, all about him. And the other half is yes, and I like it that way. Right, right. Yeah. And I can go home at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, you know, a doctor, it's just someone someone else. I, they ask me why I like emergency medicine and that I'm going to, you know, a medical student one more year and I'll be applying. It's like, I like to specialize in things that are going to kill you, yeah. you know, because yeah, they're like, you know, you don't really know anything specifically. And I'm like, no, I know what's going to stop grandma from possibly leaving you, you know, yeah. not maybe why or everything, but it's, it's specializing in what's the worst case scenario. Yeah. And I really like that a lot. Yeah. I found that we, we don't need to know a little about everything. We need to know a lot about everything. Yeah. And um, usually when people ask me about being an ER doctor, the initial vibe I get for them is excitement, awe. And I tell them that these, these crazy cases that you hear of, they're always more exciting to talk to about uh, after the case, right? Because during the case, it's a big deal. I mean, somebody's, somebody's life is at stake. Um, it's not all like that. I tell them that I enjoy taking care of kidney stones, probably one of the most, mm -hmm. because for an ER doctor, that's a really easy diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Not many things um, that presents as a kidney stone is going to kill you mm -hmm. unless you have a fever and you have um, an obstructing stone yeah. or your blood pressure is 80 and mm -hmm. your last kidney stone was 25 years ago, yeah. which has happened. Which has happened, um, yeah. So, um, and it turns out to be a AAA, but... Um, yeah, so it's it's usually a, a sensation of awe, of, of hype, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, um, I just tell them I I take care of whatever walks in the door. Yeah. So at two o'clock in the morning, we'll see a an ankle sprain from four days ago, and then the next patient will be somebody with decompensated heart failure or a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And yeah. it is what it is. That's what we signed up for. Yeah, ne next patient up is what I tell people a lot. Yep. But like you, a lot of people, they, they think of the TV shows. So luckily not being a resident, I've never had to have the conversation about the resident, which for those of you that watch <laughs> it is not a real depiction of what it's like to be in a hospital. I've, I've, le I've learned a ton from Dr. Carter on emergency or on yeah. uh, the show ER. Yeah, and, and a lot of people refer to ER because it was kind of the yeah. awakening to the specialty in the 90s and early thousands um, but uh, people always want to talk about the stories and it's funny you mentioned because they're like what's the coolest thing you've seen and like for me it's like for me it's an eye complaint you know somebody that has a retinal detachment that I got the diagnosed by ultrasound not sexy to the masses but something that I know how to take care of diagnose and get rid of um, in a pretty timely manner and it's easy and it's fun and so it is always because everybody's like what's your best case and I'm like well they typically have either something to do with poop or something that you're not really going to care about so <laughs> You know, everybody imagines the, the pole sticking through somebody's chest, and I'm like, that really doesn't happen that often. Um, it just doesn't, you know. We have, we have seatbelts now that hold like darn, darn auto industry making our, our jobs <laughs> safer. Um, and then kind of the last question we've been asking people is, you know, our, our specialty is great, but it's not, without, it's not without its little small issues or problems. So if there was one thing about emergency medicine you could change, what do you think that would be? Pass. Pass. That, that's a tough question. Um, I think that what most emergency physicians are feeling um, across many different practice environments is a lot of barriers to practice with regard to um, not not just uh, 
not just legislation, but mm-hmm. also kind of legislation of the bureaucracy of the hospital, things mm-hmm. like that. Like, um, does your tetracaine, does it sit in the ENT cart or do you have to order it online yeah, this, and have it sent in and have it sent in from pharmacy yeah. and whereas a patient you know that you know had got a little you know some minor eye trauma i could uh numb their eye fluorescein it make sure there's no ulcer or abrasion and then send them on their way in in five to ten minutes or do i have to wait 45 minutes for it to come up to pharmacy and i think little little things like that can make the job very frustrating mm-hmm. but we have to remember at the end of the day that um, we do love emergency medicine. We love caring for these patients, and you know the, the, bureaucra- the bureaucracy will get sorted out. I, yeah. I, I know it feels like it's a never-ending process, but it will get sorted out. Yeah. So um, I think that that's that's probably a barrier that a lot of emergency physicians find frustrating. <laughs> it's not necessarily the greatest barrier, but I think it's in their mind maybe the greatest barrier. Yeah. So for it's hard for me to speak to that as a medical student, right? Because mm-hmm. I haven't even really yeah, I mean, done you haven't my, been there yet, right? Um, but from the rotations that I have done in the emergency department and I, and watching the doctors, right? Their number one frustration of what I've noticed is metrics induced. It's, you Amen know. Amen to that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Spot you get a high five. You might actually be the one that wins a t-shirt for the episode. For yeah, it, episode. it's mm-hmm. metrics induced. It's, I got to get in get in this patient's chart right now, even though I'm trying to deal with this patient because if they're sitting here longer than 10 minutes, then I'm going to get dinged and my records are going to go down. Yeah, I've got to make sure this particular button gets clicked. I didn't talk about smoking. Minute. I got to go back in that. Will you go talk to that patient and tell them about smoking cessation real quick? And then, you know. Sorry, I'm laughing because everything you're saying is exactly true. No, it's not. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, that's not, yeah. has anything to do with really what, what our yeah. point is yeah. and so I would honestly say that's the biggest thing is not even really emergency medicine and coming from the business world right every every field has that kind of has their metrics have their has their metrics that need to be met right and mm-hmm. you know your quotas and insurance and all that stuff but it definitely takes away from the joy of emergency medicine and that's what causes the hair on the back of the neck to stand up when you have actual patients that need you yeah. and you have to fight those things as well correct I would say you know it is what it is you know and that's the uh, that's the playground that we operate in now, mm-hmm. and it's the play the playground's just going to get bigger, yeah. you know. So you know, at the end of the day, we just have to do what's right for the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it when um, we talk about using things like pneumonia order sets. And uh, on the pneumonia order set, it doesn't say that the patient has a community acquired pneumonia, but is also on Plaquenil and methotrexate. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit different antibiotic selection there. Yeah. And um, so I get out of my robot mode, and I put uh, the appropriate orders in. Yes. And at the end of the day, if some administrator wants to call me on that, then yeah. bring it on. Yeah. I think, uh, I think having some sort of efficacy as an emergency physician and thinking, you know, um, I can kind of stand up to this and explain why this, this process, this metric, this regulation isn't isn't good for certain patients i think that brings a lot of life to your job you know like um when uh surviving sepsis came out in 2012 everybody was saying well you have to put an ij in every septic patient and then the process trial and all these trials came out and we kind of proved no you don't have to do that and that that should not be part of our requirements it shouldn't be part of our legislation it shouldn't be part of uh, the bureaucracy of it and so i think kind of standing up to that and um, advocating not just for your practice environment, but for your patients. Um, I think that brings a lot of life to the job. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. We, had, we had one hospital site where we were the lowest placers of central lines in the emergency room for sepsis, but our overall hospital mortality for sepsis was the lowest yeah. in the hospital system. Yeah. 
little things. Well, guys, we appreciate you guys being on the show and hope uh, that our listeners enjoyed this segment like they have others. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe on your favorite podcast.